If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there! Welcome to You Love to See It, Fanbyte's movie review podcast. Every month we pick a theme, every week we watch a movie, and then we decide where it belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. If it's mind-blowing, stomach-churning, ratings-boosting material, and therefore earns a spot in our esteemed staff pick shelf, if it's not necessarily spectacular, but still gutsy enough to enjoy the comfort of our totally fine middle aisle, or if it is not a hard worker and does not set high goals and therefore <laughs> earns itself a one-way van ride into the flaming pits of our dreaded dumpster, where everyone is always hungover and forced to listen to a family-rich 20-something give TEDS talks about his tech startup. <laughs> Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda, protect Riz Ahmed at all costs, Prachis, and my fellow unblinking sociopath, Danielle, screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut, Rihandu. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> Hi, it would be, I mean, okay, I chose this name because it really spoke to me, but also it'd be really hard to scream with your throat cut. I just want to put that out there, just putting it out there. It's tough. I think it really captures the duality of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like super realistic and gritty and like feels like it can happen, but also uh, just a touch of fantasy. Is that what Yeah, just a touch of fantasy. <laughs> yeah, just a touch. <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. I know that sounds a little bleak. But uh, it will make sense in a second. <laughs> yeah, it will, promise. <laughs> which movie this is. The bleakness uh, is actually on par. But first, let's talk about our theme this month. Um, as you, our faithful regular listeners know, we are celebrating award season by doing the millennial thing and being salty about it while simultaneously giving the attention that it needs to survive. So what we're doing here is watching movies that feature performances from actors who we feel were not properly acknowledged by the mother of all mainstream awards in a month that shall now be referred to simply as Oscars. I don't know her. And this week's snub nominee is... And this is where you at home pretend I'm opening an envelope with like a lot of... Like I'm fiddling with it because that's that's <laughs> what they do. They fiddle. I feel like they, they make that more dramatic than it needs to be. But at the same time, I feel like if there were a lot of people watching me open an envelope... I'd feel a little nervous about it. But anyway, I digress. The thing is, <laughs> our snub, our third snub of the month is Jake 
Gyllenhaal in 2014's creepy thriller Nightcrawler. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow or even why not tonight? No, I'm not hiring. We're first! Go around! Get a shot inside the car! Hey, back away. I got it. I'm back. I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back! Maybe you saw my item this morning. You were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Does that have GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. Okay. We're taking the next right. Good, stupid! Repeat the police. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. <laughs> For those of you who are new around these parts, we are about to enter our very first segment of the show called Setting the Scene, which is where we introduce the movie at hand and talk about our history with it. But first, we're going to give you, just in case you also have yet to be transfixed by Jake Gyllenhaal's cold dead eyes, uh, we're going to give you a reminder, a small refresher of what Nightcrawler is about. And Nightcrawler is a movie about a very weird guy who tries to survive under capitalism by getting even weirder. Relatable, I know. Except most <laughs> of us don't go through the trouble of invading and or tampering with violent crime scenes with blatant disregard and or full contempt for human life in order to sell that footage to fellow sociopaths at a news channel. Louis Bloom, however, is in most of us. And not only does he do all that, but he's very good at it. And so the stage is set for Nightcrawler, a movie that gives us literally no hope about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Danielle, we'll start with you since uh, obviously (laughs) it's just the two of us. So that's a logical choice. (laughs) What is your personal history with this masterpiece of bleakness yeah so i actually was a little afraid to watch it i had never Mm -hmm. seen it before i was sort of aware of it in the world certainly and i was actually this is during the period where i was going to a lot of new movies and reviewing new movies it's when i worked at polygon and Mm -hmm. i had a period of time like a year ish year and a half maybe where i just did a lot of movie reviews and for some reason i didn't do this one no particular reason. I just never kind of saw it while it was in theaters. I kind of heard about it, kind of knew what it was about. Um, but I was actually, I had some trepidation, like going into it. I was a little afraid this movie was going to severely piss me off, like really piss me off. I have real, real intense feelings about the way that like, uh, especially emergency medical services are portrayed in movies mm-hmm. and how accident scenes are portrayed and violent crime and all sorts of things. Like, obviously I'm an EMT in New York. I see a lot of shit. I get mad when things aren't portrayed in a particular way. And I'm sure everybody feels that way about their own profession. It's weird that I feel more passionately about that than necessarily what I do (laughs) full-time, but like (laughs) whatever, (laughs) I guess it's just sort of a, like a very, very intense thing that I think needs to Mm -hmm. be handled with extreme care. 
Yeah. And uh, I think this movie fucking nails it in a lot of ways, actually, uh, which we'll get into. But yeah, I was legitimately, I was going in, I was like taking a deep breath. I was like, okay, if it pisses me off, it pisses me off. Um, but yeah, so going in completely fresh uh, and really, really, really liked it, actually. So I'm, I'm so excited to discuss it with you. That's awesome. And I will obviously want to like get into the details of that because obviously because you have that experience you're able to have um a much more uh accurate look you're like i feel like talking have you ever seen those like gq clips where it's like they have like a person like an athlete Mm. For instance, they had Daniel Ricardo uh, break down <laughs> racing scenes in movies and they had like an ice skater break down like ice skating scenes in movie. I feel like in movies, I feel like I have the privilege of having that like in, in, in real life with you yeah. breaking down uh, gnarly and very sad things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to, especially with this movie that actually does a pretty decent job. I will absolutely give it props for doing a pretty decent job with that aspect for sure. That's amazing because I kind of suspected it did. So here's my history with uh, Nightcrawler, which is not extensive. Uh, basically, I had seen it in the movies by myself. I think that year I was doing one of those like, oh, I want to watch like all the Oscar buzzy movies. I don't even know who I can't respond. I can't uh, speak on behalf of 2015 year old me so long ago. <laughs> So young, so naive and full of dreams. But I watched it in the movies and I remember just really, really loving it and really thinking like if Jake Gyllenhaal, by the way, I always thought his name was Gyllenhaal. So I was damn near close to doing a whole episode like I did last week saying Charlize Theron's name wrong. Oh no, do we figure out what it was? It's Theron and I kept saying Theron. Uh, I think that's how people like that's how Alexa says it. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's Theron. And Gyllenhaal, I uh, actually saw a clip of him on Conan O'Brien saying that the proper name, which he says is only said in Sweden and in uh, Ikea, is like <laughs> Gyllenhaal. It's <laughs> gotcha. but we're settling with Gyllenhaal. I feel like that's the correct uh, Americanized way of saying it. But the whole thing is, uh, yeah, I watched it in a movie. Remember just really thinking, yeah, this guy is going to be an Oscar nominee. Like, how could he not? And uh, then he wasn't. So I immediately thought of it uh, when we discussed this month's theme. It was, I think, my suggestion that we talked about it. And then this was my first time rewatching it. And I don't know. I feel like I'm... I'm less shocked, but more disturbed. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Like, like I, the the shock and the sort of <gasps> thing that happened the first time <laughs> watching it, like wore off, obviously, because I knew it was going to happen. But then this time I was kind of like, yeah, this is just, yeah, this this is just unsettled. This just does not make me feel good, but in a good way. So <laughs> we'll yeah. Uh, that's not uh, me saying that this is a bad thing. This is just uh, a statement of fact. And we'll yeah. get into all the reasons for that in our next segment, uh, which we should warn you are uh, before we engage in some reckless driving and do some fucked up stuff to the amazing Bill Paxton, which, by the way, rest in peace. I do not remember yeah. He was in this movie. It was immediately sad. I know this. This must have been one of his later. Probably movies. right. 
think he died uh, 2017, so not much, yeah, mm. not much later. A lost talent for sure. Honestly. Yes, so he sad. is in this movie, and um, fucked up shit happens to him, but we'll discuss all of that yeah. uh, in our next uh, segment, which we call Stripping It Down, right after this break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back with the stripping it down section of our episode which is the the part where we discuss details of the film including specific aspects of the plot and the characters otherwise known as spoilers so again beware before continuing on this journey with us Danielle, so let's start with the stuff since we already kind of touched on it uh, in our in our intro. The sort of, I had that feeling, and I think that's part of why I was so unsettled watching the movie, that it felt very realistic. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I have a high sort of threshold for goriness, and I like very horrible horror. I like body horror. A lot of things that some people don't really have sort of the temperament for i'm cool with all that but if something looks <laughs> really realistically like oh this terrible thing happens in real life all the time that's when i get a little uh, uh upset and obviously i haven't seen a lot of that in real life so uh i think that adds to it a little bit but that's one of the things i was really curious about um uh, hearing hearing your opinion on like as somebody who sees those things, who knows sort of what a, a distress call sounds like, what a what a police call sounds like, and mm-hmm. you know what you kind of encounter when you arrive in those scenes, how do you feel like the movie? You know, do you feel like they succeeded in the way that they portray that? Yeah. So this is probably one of the most realistic portrayals of like a nine one one call that I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, Mm -hmm. in a in a movie, obviously. And there are some bits and pieces of it that aren't realistic, like how legible the the, the radio is. (laughs) Never, never. It takes me like, and I do, I've been doing this for like six years in Brooklyn and like some dispatchers, they just, you know, like they're not fucking professional actors. So every, every (laughs) word is not enunciated fucking perfectly of like, we have a three, one, one, you know, the way they're saying it in the movie, like it's like perfect VO, like an airport you know. call, like one, two, seven, <laughs> seven, like- zero, with service to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred percent. That's the only thing that kind of took me out of it because normally be like, Northwestern, <laughs> that you'd be like ten five. What? What? And they'd be like Northwestern at six, and you'd like kind of figure. It. That's how it goes yeah. a lot of the you time. You go by context real. almost. You, like. you go by context, and then you're like, is it Western Street or Western Avenue? Like it's all that you know. There's a lot of fucking tomfoolery that goes along with that kind of thing, and like it's actually 
it's even more realistic because as a volunteer EMT, sometimes I'm specifically dispatched to calls. It depends on the type of shift I'm doing. We do two different okay. types of shifts. One, we are dispatched by FIDNI. Like we, 9-4 Nora, that's my, that's my um, call sign. Like you're going to this and this. You have an unknown at this doctor's office. You have an, un, you know, you have a yeah. fever, uh, fever cough, you know, COVID call at this and this. And you go specifically there. Or... Some shifts, we do what's called buffing calls, which is we're listening on the radio. We just go and we see if the crew needs help or if they don't want to take it and we take it instead. So, okay. like, legitimately, sometimes we'll get there first. And it's just like what you see in this movie of, like, you got there first. And it's just there. Somebody's just bleeding. Somebody's uh, screaming for help. Blood everywhere or whatever's everywhere. And you just deal with it as you deal with it. Now, obviously, I'm not sitting there taking fucking pictures and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, <laughs> sitting there get and right making the scene there. look worse. <laughs> like, that's not, you know, that's not what I do. Although, you know, having gone to film school, I sometimes think about that sort of thing in the background of, like, oh, this looks very dramatic. Like, I can't shut off that part of my brain entirely. Yeah. So it's, like, interesting to me. Some parts of watching this movie, I, like, legitimately Again. could actually get into the character's shoes and think about, like, oh, oh this was framed like this. Although... The primary part of my brain, like that's like lizard brain, but the primary part of my brain is like, okay, ABCs, you know, airway, breathing, circulation, yeah. and like the the way the medics actually. I'm speak. glad that this is the like the first. <laughs> that's the first thing. thing. <laughs> like, no, it's just like background shit, and like of course sometimes the first we do. thing is like this blood looks very scenic. Uh, then oh, I'm like, let's oh, get that shot. Oh, it would look better if you dragged the body this way, which he does. Like he arranges things he so that it looks does. more fucked up which is incredibly fucked up. And also, you know, probably, I don't know. I, I don't do this, but I'm sure it's happened before. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I'm sure. There's no question. Um, but yeah, the yeah. only other thing that's somewhat unrealistic is you usually hear a lot more crying and screaming. Like, that's Aww. another thing that's absolutely real, especially in a very violent scene or if Ugh. everybody isn't literally dead. Um, there's a lot of screaming. A lot of screaming happens a lot of the time and a lot of crying happens. So... It's uh, it's pretty close, I think, in emotional tenor uh, of yeah. just seeing how fucked up people look. The blood actually looks pretty realistic. Uh, the ways they're treating people actually looks pretty realistic. The things the medics yeah. are saying are all actual real things. When they say okay. GCS is 111, that means you have a three on the Glasgow Coma Scale, and you are not doing great, my friend. Um, <laughs> like, I oh, know let's that get from some OT, are. let's bag them. Like, they're actually saying real things that we actually okay. need to say. Uh, so... Sorry to get so far dorkily into this. I oh, guess this is no. me sitting in front of the screen being like, this is actually pretty realistic. This is pretty realistic. This I'm is, I'm just you know. like, I want a bonus episode <laughs> only of this. I'm just like, how do I yeah. continue this without like ignoring the, so yeah, 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 take your little, it's great. But tell me sure. more about, sure. but do you ever find a uh, press like, media like doing st when you get to scenes and stuff is it like a thing that you've witnessed like people More just trying to get not. in there yeah, all okay. the time people are out with their phones people have their phones out all <sighs> the time all the time <sighs> all the time much more so than like uh like Actual. a news van mm, uh, okay. is out there at least when we get there because usually and you even see this in the movie like you'd certainly see medics sometimes or emts working sometimes but a lot of times they're like the ambulance already went that's because we are in and out as fast as possible most of the time okay. like we don't want to be on scene unless mm -hmm. we have Longer to be for okay. one reason or another like if somebody's literally stuck or something like we might have to be on scene for a long time until mm -hmm. fire can like cut them out of whatever they're in uh things like that happen all the time the extrication with the cops in yeah. the early car accident 
I have some notes for those cops, but like, you know, it, listen, you got to get out of a burning thing. You got to get out of a burning thing. I understand. I get it. Sometimes I it I just needs to happen. You slap a collar on first, usually, but okay. Yeah. You know what? I get it. They, they can't, you know, they tried. God bless them. Also, cops don't know how to do EMS, usually. They're first responders, but they're not. That EMTs, seems like so. a problem. They have some training. They, they okay. Most cops are a certified first responders, so they know how to okay. do things like CPR and a few okay, other okay, things, okay. but they don't have the okay. full gamut of oh, medical okay. training. Um, okay. So, yes, at least in the U.S. Again, this is probably different in other places. I only yeah. know what it's like specifically yeah. in New York City, but mostly in the U.S., of course. Uh, so, so it's it's nice to know because I was like, this looks so real. Like at yeah. the scene where the the guy gets shot, where he's first, like where uh, Louis is actually first getting into it, and he just like shoves the camera in there. The wound looks so realistic. Yeah, like the whole, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Okay, totally different thing, but why I've always really liked Dr. Because like yeah. I felt the way that they shot the scenes and everything, it felt really realistic. Makes it makes me really enjoy what I'm watching, but yeah. at the same time, it has carries so much more like emotional impact. And yes. I feel like they made very deliberate choices in that sense. So it's nice to hear that it wasn't just like uh, they weren't just fooling everyone. That it, it was it actually pretty pretty close to what it can be like. And to, to your point, like whenever there's especially like a fairly dramatic car accident there's like mm-hmm. dozens at least of people with their phones out. i've been recorded multiple times i've had a friend who just happened to be there yeah who, like filmed you. me jumping out of my ambulance like helping the person who got run over like stuff like that is a hundred percent happened just because it's like everybody has a camera now like that's yeah that's another aspect of this that the movie does feel like it's from a very particular time and place. I promise it I have does, an actual right? point about the movie for this. Um, but that desperation of the sort of economic crisis, not mm-hmm. necessarily everybody had, like, people had cameras on their phones, but not necessarily, like, a smartphone in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009. Like, sure, plenty of people did, but not, like, everyone the way it is now. So, like, yeah, it's, it's actually fairly realistic that there wouldn't be a million people out with their cell phone cameras and then yeah. this you know, having a professional camera or at least like a prosumer camera, which is kind of what yeah. he has for the first few scenes, does mm-hmm. feel pretty realistic as well. Now that scene would be different. If you film that exact movie yeah. in 2022, 2022. Yeah. it would probably be a lot of people like buying that footage off of like people's phones and mm-hmm. like saying like, yeah, all right, you got this. Like now you can you can look on Twitter and when somebody has a video of something very dramatic, like you see ten yeah. producers in the fucking right. It just sounded hi, like, like I'm from wherever. Please, yep. like, can I can we license this footage? We will uh-huh. put X Y and Z credit. Blah 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 blah. Like you just see that as a routine aspect of life now, yeah. uh, which is wild and interesting, and also I think ties really 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 directly into what's going on in this movie. This like yeah. chase for the most fucked up images. And not just the most fucked up images, but also the most fucked up images that happen to uh, pertain to a particular type of racism, (laughs) like a particular Mm -hmm. type of classism that go along with the story that the news wants to sell. So it's not just fucked up images. It's like, no, does this tell a story that's scary to white people? Well, then we will pay anything for it, Um, which I think is to the movie's greatest, greatest strength. Like, I love how hard this movie punches, but I can't imagine this is an easy watch at all (laughs) like for people for whom you know i obviously as a white girl like i'm not nearly as affected by yeah uh, racism obviously like to to make the most obvious point in the universe right but like i can't imagine that this is easy to watch for sure 
uh, for a lot mm. of folks. And like, to the movie's credit, I think its heart is in the right place uh, with yeah. all of its commentary. And I think it's also why it was Oscar snubbed, but that's another point and I'm gonna stop talking because <laughs> I have been talking nonstop. <laughs> no, but this is, I'm sure like, if we suggest like just Danielle talks about like being an EMT, everybody's gonna be like, yes, please. <laughs> I'm gonna like I I wish I, we would keep talking about it for like an hour, but uh, that would no, defeat no, no, the please, purpose yeah. of this entire show. <laughs> yeah, no, please. Uh, uh, but uh, you mentioned it, and that that's the thing, right? And and this is something I kind of struggled with more in the second time I watched it. Mm-hmm. A lot of trying to understand what felt very gratuitous, like this is here for shock value, or no, this is just like this movie's deliberately making uncomfortable choices to make us uncomfortable about things that are uncomfortable. And um, I think it's more, honestly, this. Like, it's more deliberate and intelligent in the way it does it. But it does, because, for instance, a very uh, obvious scene, right, in which that happens is when he's discussing with uh, Rene Russo. I forgot, actually, her name in the movie. Mrs. Uh, Vampire Shift Lady. Right, Vampire Shift. (laughs) Vampire Shift Lady, who, by the way, I don't know how old Rene Russo is, but uh, you're still, you've you've got it, lady. You're going to be hot forever. And that's a blessing (laughs) and a curse, I would imagine. Uh, I could not imagine carrying this amount of hotness through my entire life, but here we are, Rene Russo. Uh, what is it? God gives its toughest uh, battles to its strongest warriors, and this is the battle that Rene Russo is fighting. But she yeah. and they're having this conversation, and Rene Russo he kind of compares the price of this footage of a house where two uh, white people were were killed. Um, the and their housekeeper, which I don't know if they ever, exp- I don't remember if there's ever like an explanation on their ethnicity but like the comparison is that uh he's comparing the prices with another uh footage that he got from like an accident in which there were more killed and then he's like oh but that was and he uses the term roach coach which i didn't even know my mexican husband was like cringing and i was like what is that and he explained it to me and it's like yeah it's like it's a very racist term and um you know, so like it was just a bunch of illegal immigrants. So yeah. this is not as valuable as these two white suburban deaths. And the way that the Rene Russo character also like sort of discusses not just because it's not just the footage, right? Like she's trying to sell a fear. So she doesn't want it to just exist as, oh, this is a separate thing that ha-. like this is very tragic, but tragic things happen. And later we find out that that those kills were drug related or, yeah. you know, had a, because there's a, I forgot the name of the actor, but there's like one producer that's supposed to stand for the sort of like conscious uh, the the sort of conscience of the channel, and he does not. <laughs> spoiler alert: he does not succeed. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh. she kind of talks about, you know, we don't want that. We want the story that, and this is the story the media sells, right? Crime yep. has been like decreasing yep. for decades, yeah, and. You know, all these panics happen in waves where we're trying to make it seem like we're in these like increasingly more violent society and we want to make people they want to sell fear, right, to people. And and we know we understand why. Fear fear really makes people act and spend and like right, it's and it's pay wild. Attention. 
and pay attention. And pay attention. Yep. And, yep. and it, it, it's, it's, it's such a, a valuable freaking commodity in every way. So you understand all of that. And again, like you said, I agree. Uh, it's very much something that the movie really excels at. Because yeah. it's not... In theory, it's about a guy who is a freaking clear, obvious sociopath who goes around doing horrible things because he wants to make money and, you know, succeed or whatever and be known. I don't know. I don't know what Louis wants. Like, it starts off as sort of him being one a very typical sort of millennial trying to exist in a society and this hustle culture type setting. And then yeah, he's, he's just willing good to at do stealing. anything. He's, yeah, he's right? just good at stealing. He's like basically like a pretty basic thief, but he's good at it. Who then like, like petty crime. Yeah. Who then just stumbles on a car accident, sees the Nightcrawlers, which is Bill Paxton and Bill Paxton's buddy. Again, yeah. RIP. I this is, I promise, not a huge tangent, but I forget often that poor Bill Paxton is not among us. And I get sad yep. every time I see him in a movie where I'm like, oh, yep. fuck. Oh, damn it. Um, But He's it was literally this. this, like, I saw the yeah. name in the, the early credits, the opening credits. Bill Paxton is in this. And I was like, oh, no, Bill yeah. Paxton is in this. And he, <laughs> he gets fucked up. Holy gets, shit. Again, yeah. very realistic looking. Incredibly realistic. I feel like I have wheeled that patient out of many a car accident, like, looking just like that. Like, very realistic looking accident and uh, EMS uh, accoutrements there. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's he just happens upon this this idea of it bleeds, it leads. And like, that's yeah. exactly what this movie wants to contend with and wrestle with and like show you how fucking shitty it is and how mm-hmm. fucking cynical it is and how awful it is that we watch this and pretend it's oh, this is important and this is the truth and this is the narrative. Like the fact that we pretend these things. Uh, I'm saying we, and I mean all white people, like all of us, just every single white person is is the problem here and like watches this shit as if it's some kind of truth and just digests it and takes it in and, and says, oh yeah, this this is the reality of the world. Like that's a really, really deep message. And again, that's, that's why this got no Oscars. <laughs> because yeah, right. Hollywood is implicit in this. Very that's much That's a point so. you made that I <laughs> want to like, since you touched on it and I want to hear your thoughts, you made the, that point in the notes and I thought it was very, uh, very accurate and very interesting that, you know, the Oscars and I think all, all of us in mainstream society, right? Like we want to feel like we're aware of things and that we're like in with the times and that we have like a social conscience, but there's sort of a limit to that, right? Like, and this, my, and sometimes we see movies that sort of allude to that or that hide in a cloak of like, uh, they love the movies like The Help or the green yep. book or whatever, right? Where you're like addressing racism in a very specific way with a very specific tone. And then like you have the, to your point, like in this case, right? Where where you have like, this is not a very sugar-coated or uh, implied way of going about it or subtle. This is, might be just too in your face for the Oscars, right? It's also that this is saying this is systemic. It's not yeah, saying, right. oh, there's a racist and mm-hmm. they're a meanie, like the way that most Hollywood fucking horseshit is. Like that racist yeah. is a meanie 
and we can overcome the one meanie. It's like, no, this is fully systemic. This is baked into every moment of reality and this Mm -hmm. is baked into every moment of what is portrayed as reality and what is shown as news and what is like accepted in popular culture as a truth. Like on every fucking level. It's like, this is is the sickness just melting its gross sickness body all over the place. (laughs) Like it's gross slime everywhere kind of thing, right? Like- this is just what this is. And it's buying and selling this fear and this racism. And like, it ties into white flight. And there's an aspect of this and I'm not from LA. And I, I kind of like, God, I, I want to talk to somebody from LA about this movie and, and ask them what's mm-hmm. what feels realistic to them about it because I'm just not an LA person. I actually have weird feelings about LA because I'm always going there for work and never for mm-hmm. anything fun. So oh, okay. to me, so, I think of LA as being this massive, sprawly, like kind of alienating place. I'm just, I don't know. I like California. I lived there for a few years, just not in LA. But like, it just feels like a weird place. And it also feels like a very image conscious place because of Hollywood and all sorts yeah. of other stuff. So like, I really do want to know if there's a particular flavor of LA in this that I'm just not fully equipped to, to see basically. But it, I, my sense is that yes, there is a particular uh, flavor of the racism, you know, and there is a particular yeah. flavor of the image consciousness that's kind of going on here. And there's a particular flavor of gender dynamics going on yeah. here too. Although I feel like I can probably read that. That's not like an LA thing, but that's part of it to me about this movie. Um, yeah. And like, this is a camera obsessed place right this is hollywood Uh, another reason maybe it got snubbed like this was too close for comfort for hollywood i think i'm not saying there was a fucking conspiracy theory of course not no nothing actually works that way but like this was probably way too close for comfort for your average obscenely white rich probably neoliberal or liberal leaning academy voter but like this is way too close for comfort for them. That It's implicating them as much as it's implicating anybody else. These are the people who watch this. And also TV is kind of Hollywood's little brother, right? TV has always been, it's the silver screen, the big screen, and then the little screen. Everything kind of rains down from the top. So I, I think this movie implicates Hollywood in this shitty truth and in this shitty world. Uh, and that's why it was like, nah, Oscar, I don't know her. You know, let's give it to some <laughs> stupid fucking. I don't even know what won that year. Who cares? Um, I'm, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying to look at the. Uh, they were nominated. Oscars, like whatever. You know, nominated for a bunch of Baftas and for uh, best writing original screenplay that year. Oh, the winner was Birdman, which I fucking hate, but that's time. <laughs> that's yeah. a conversation for. Yeah. Another, this is more of a me <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 really interesting uh and i totally agree with you in a way that's like we're willing to acknowledge the bad apples but not the bad apple or orchard right right <laughs> exactly like, yeah. it's always like oh we can acknowledge there are bad a lot of bad cops but uh the idea of like well maybe we need to like rethink the entire police when we say defund the police, there are a lot less uh, people willing to uh, jump into the idea than when you say there are some cops that are bad. And I feel like yeah. kind of that's what you're and I totally agree with what you're saying here. And the media part is very interesting because um, I think a lot of people might watch this and think, oh, these conversations are very unrealistic or there's no way these people are there just like cutting uh 
footage of this crime scene and being very chill about it or like having these conversations so openly. And I have never worked in this specific type of like newsroom. I've always, um, it's always been more sports. I did work uh, as an intern at a big newspaper and I kind of like had to be on every sort of beat uh, as an intern, but like haven't really lived that reality and it was a newspaper, it wasn't TV. So obviously it's different, but like I can absolutely see those conversations happening. And it, yeah. there is sort of an effect when you work with those things that you have to, um, your humanity will take a back seat to whatever it is that you need to be doing then, whether that's editing the footage, whether there's commenting on top of the footage, whether it's making the decision to put that footage on air. And you see that, right? There is a lot of parts and a lot of people involved um, in that stuff being fed to the public, which in turn does this hits part by consuming that product and creating the demand. And I feel like in every step of the way, you also have a way of excusing yourself from that. Right. Like, oh, I don't I don't like making the choice to air this uh, because but, you know, that's what sells. I need to keep my job. Unfortunately, I can't fight the system or like I don't want to cut this image. I'm being told by my superiors that this is the image that I need to cut or and, you know, as the public, I don't necessarily want to watch this, but it's here. I'm, it's on my face and it's my reality. So like I can't stray away from reality. So I need to. So it's kind of like it's interesting. Uh I think as a general sort of idea of the sort of ecosystem of news that, yeah, this is pretty much what happens. Like it's a lot of moving parts uh, and the reason why they're able to work so well and as a system and work off of each other is because we all have like such specific roles that allow us to sort of detach ourselves from the main thing, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know, I don't know what your experience is with this, but like, you know, my parents will watch the news, not necessarily mm-hmm. every day or anything and not yeah. necessarily, you know, they're not watching Fox News or anything. They're probably watching MSNBC, to be honest with you. Not that that's like great either. Uh, it's but better. The, fa- the fact is that it's treated as like, this Let's is not even truth. be like, oh, it's two sides. No, that's, no, that's no, no, objectively not even, better. I'm not, even, you know, I'm not even saying, I'm saying like not even MSNBC is any good. Yeah, it's of just course, of course. Better than fucking Fox News, I guess. But like, it's just all like mm-hmm. the fact that the news is treated as this like prestige bit of truth when journalism yeah. is in a perilous fucking place in our yep. society, like truly perilous. We all know this, we're all professional journalists here. Yeah. Like, and it's like, how how do we do our jobs when everything is hell in media? Like that's another aspect of this that's not necessarily foregrounded because you don't really feel for this guy. This guy sucks. You know, the main yeah. character is a, a legitimate insane sociopath. So it's not like you yeah. feel for him, but if, if it was a more you know, a potentially more relatable character, you might actually feel for him. You might actually feel for him, like, being, like, trying to fucking make it, trying to make it as a camera person or or trying to make it as a journalist or something like that. Like, God, I I don't want to... like somebody, right? Like, he doesn't have the proper education and and he has all these... That's somewhat like the richness of the character of Louis Blumen. Also, what makes him so freaking terrifying is that he seems like a robot a robot trained to like be a person and he's like oh so what would a human say in this like it was a robot trained with like many hours of TEDx at TEDx talks (laughs) 
yes. It's yes. like yes. on how to make it. So he got like, he saw a lot of inspirational <laughs> videos and TED X talks and then TED talks too, let's be honest. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how to make it uh, as a man uh, of your of your specific uh, age and like sort of demographics. And then he's like, okay, so I guess this is what I'm supposed to say to this potential employer. But he says it with those blank, yes. vacant eyes. Yes. And it's so unsettling. But yes. to, yeah, to your point, it is kind of, uh, they make, a, they do a good job of inserting him in a context, right? Yeah. Like you kind of understand where this character is coming from. And yet you don't sympathize with him for a single fucking second. Oh, he's <laughs> truly, like his instinct, that's the thing. Everybody has different instincts. And yeah. You know, his instinct upon coming to a really horrific car accident where somebody has died, multiple people have died, is to get into the person's face who is surviving and, like, try to get an interview with them. And then his next instinct is to move the body to get a more dramatic shot. Like, not to help, not to do CPR, not to, you know, attempt to help this person or call for help or anything. Like, his instinct is I, this is the holy grail. And the music of the movie, I think the music and the editing in this movie are fucking phenomenal because they support this idea of like, this is the holy grail shot for him. Holy shit. It keeps getting higher and higher and higher. The holy grail shot for him becomes crazier and crazier and crazier. And then of course he starts creating these shots. He starts creating these scenarios where people will die and be shot and it will- you know, adhere to the narrative of white flight and like, oh, white people getting hurt by, you know, people of color, like, oh, no, be afraid, be racist, you know, that kind of thing, which is the narrative that they're selling. Like, he starts yeah. creating it. He doesn't just capture it, he creates it. That's what it happens. And that's his instinct. That's what he thinks will make the money. And he's correct. And he's right. And he gets away with everything. And he gets to have his own fucking psychotic company at the end. Um, and it's like, yeah, of course, a person like this would thrive in this atmosphere, not yeah. having any morals or having any not just morals. Like, it's it's not just that he's morally abhorrent and a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. He also doesn't really have any human needs either. Like, we never see yeah, him actually having needs. He obviously wants to fuck Renee Russo's character. But that, and he gets her yeah. to through his own insane bargaining. But like, it's not like you actually get a sense of like a person with needs. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like he sleeps. It doesn't, it doesn't seem, seem like, like he eats. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he's a robot in other ways too, which is also not relatable. He's evil and also has no weaknesses. It's yeah. terrifying. Uh, I read it in a review, and I thought, and now I don't remember which one, but. Um, so sorry, person who reviewed it, if I'm not giving you <laughs> proper credit here. But uh, somebody kind of said, and I agree, that the scene that is infinitely disturbing with Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo at the Mexican restaurant, yeah! and um, in which he's propositioning her, I guess, uh, harassing her. It's so very... Dis- it's, yeah, yep. he's like her. He's blackmailing her into sleeping with him, yep. is my understanding of that yes. scene, which... By the way, the first time I, the second time I watched it came across as a lot more disturbing. And I think because I didn't, I wasn't like dealing with the aftershocks of everything that was happening. I was kind of (laughs) like being able to grasp the full extent of that scene, but that it was less about, like you said, the human need for connection or for a partner and more about power, you know, more about exerting dominance over her. 
uh, and of like feeling like he's the big guy in charge. So yeah. again, it's kind of, it's exactly like you said. It doesn't feel like this came from like a human sort of. We joked about the incels in the last episode, right? right. Like, it's not like that. It's not a guy. It's not about like, oh, this person who was rejected and, you know, because of these very human feelings of needing to compensate, of, of needing, of misplaced frustration. He's no, it's like, it's just a sociopath who needs to be uh, in power, who needs, yeah. who needs to feel like he owns people, right? Rather than actually interact uh, with with people and that scene was a very strong uh, testament to that as well and and to me that really speaks leading to something obviously that we need to discuss because this sure. is the theme of the episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the strength of uh, Jake's Jake Hillenholz, uh performance <laughs> uh, sorry uh, Swedish listeners <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry, Ikea. Sorry, Swedish listeners. Sorry, sorry everyone. Uh, Ikea, I am a vegetarian and your uh, veggie meatballs are amazing. So thank you <laughs> uh, for that, for that gift. Uh, but he is... I find Jake Gyllenhaal to be incredibly charming. I know, you know, Taylor Swift, apparently... I know through Taylor Swift, we're not supposed to like Jake Gyllenhaal. And... <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah. honest, he does look like kind of a douche, which I say with no evidence, uh, just from reading interviews and stuff. So I could be wrong. Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is a lovely person and I'm being extremely unfair, in which case I apologize. But I do think he's incredibly charming. He's one of those people who's like milkshakes bring all the people to the yard, uh, <laughs> yes, regardless sure of know. whether he likes it or not. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... How did he manage to empty himself of all charm? Because there's, dude, his eyes are usually so alive. They're usually so engaging. Like, in every, I'm trying to think. Maybe, maybe I'm like, I don't know. I haven't watched Prince of Persia, so maybe. <laughs> 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 movie mentioned by Paul earlier. Uh, so, or maybe I'm misremembering, but I just kind of remember always thinking like, oh my God, this guy's just so like charming. And in this movie, he just turned it off. And he's so convincing at playing this completely, the sociopath completely devoid of emotion, right? Like his eyes are just, yeah. there's no one there. He's just like a vessel for sliminess and it's truly an achievement in my opinion how do you feel I, about I about jake let's yeah, discuss I, jake. I think it's a commanding performance and like for me it's it's this is a robot but it's a malicious mm -hmm. robot and it's yeah. only holding back that that like hatred and malice yeah like to serve a point like that, he has a really chilling line right before he gets his em employee killed. Poor, mm -hmm. oh my god, oh my Riz god. Ahmed, I'm sorry. Poor Riz Ahmed, I, like poor. You oh deserved better. <laughs> oh my god, I mean he's the human in this movie. He's right? a there human. aren't many humans. The, the editor guy, somewhat human, or at least has a care in the world about ethics. Like yeah. he at least brings it up. Like I, yeah. Again, he's like kind of a, a turdy little white guy too but like he's at least <laughs> like he at least cares <laughs> sorry <laughs> i know it's like, that is such a specific <laughs> role in so many movies and you nailed it he really is 
I, I mean, he at least cares. He's going to probably still keep doing his job because mm. he fucking needs to eat, I guess. And like, I get it. But, you know, he at least cares and brings things up. Uh, but Riz Ahmed is like, uh, his character is is just, he's just fucking trying and he's just existing and he doesn't know what he's gotten himself into and he needs a job and he's sleeping on, you know, on a couch and, you know, I get it. But there is that monologue where he talks about what if it's not that I don't understand people, but that I don't like them. And it's this deeply. uh, It it just shows that there is so much hatred behind that blank stare, like so much hatred and so much like active malice and like not an enjoyment of people getting hurt, but like a good they can be hurt and I will profit from it. Like a, a, a very pure kind of hatred that is tied into greed that is tied into a sense of like uh, almost like pathological need for success like all this language he uses all the corporate speak all the fucking horse shit of it like there's a very big like travis bickle factor here oh yes absolutely big 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 and like obviously there's like that's like a pretty easy touchstone it's a guy who spends a lot of time in a car and he hates humans you know i get it you know (laughs) similar vibes are going on here for sure (laughs) absolutely Uh, but like it also does feel different because Travis Bickle, as much as he was a sociopath, he, he also felt at least a little bit human, at least a little yeah. bit. You know, yeah. he'll, he'll talk about his having his pie with his cheese and things like that. There are at least like mm-hmm. tiny little touchstones of humanity, yeah. you know, indications of like some humanity, still evil, still awful. Again, this is not the fucking Travis Bickle apology podcast. I'm just like comparing the, <laughs> the roles here. Uh, yeah, we're going to rename the show. Uh <laughs> Justice for Travis Bickle, and it's all Danielle trying to present, yeah. re- revisit, revisit yeah. the legacy of you know, Travis Bickle. It's with really just the cheese eyes. on the pie. It's just the cheese on the apple pie. That was it. That's the only indication of humanity there, really. Like that's it. But it's, <laughs> um, yeah, there's that's what makes this performance so scary to me. And there's also this aspect of so there's something about doing nine one one calls that scares me. To an extent. Um, and it's yeah. and it's the ability of a situation to turn at any second. Like these are very, very, very unpredictable situations. And mm-hmm. somebody could be like, you know, we obviously have a lot of patients who are, you know, have have disturbances and they can be violent sometimes. That happens. People get drunk, yeah. they get high, they take swings at us. It happens all the time. All the time, all the time, all the time. It's usually not a big deal in the slightest because you want to know what the easiest thing in the world is. No, you want to know what the easiest thing in the universe is? Dodging a punch from a guy who's had like six six packs. He ain't ain't hitting anything. He's hitting. He is not hitting. Well, speak for I. I hit better when I'm drunk. Oh yeah. I yeah. drive back. <laughs> I do not. Don't no, do yeah. that. Do never. Don't, don't do it. Please drink and drive ever. Yeah. Or try to hit EMT sober or drunk. Don't hit as EMTs. a general rule. Don't but hit EMTs. But like <laughs> truly high and drunk people, it's they're just flailing and it's not it's not hard. It's not hard, okay. my friends. It's not It's hard. not such a difficult part of the job is what it's you mean. <laughs> not when somebody's drunk. Like if somebody is fully sober and wants to hit you, that's a different story. That's a- like <laughs> These things can happen. They can happen. It can be unpredictable. Like, people mm-hmm. can be unpredictable. I think people can be unpredictable in any situation. But 911 has this extra element of, like, oh, you know, there could be a weapon. There could be blood. There could be all kinds of stuff can happen. Watching this made me feel nervous the way I feel nervous sometimes going on to, like, a p- completely wild scene. Because yeah. 
this character felt like that. It felt like he could take a turn at any second. We see him mm-hmm. beat up a guy at the very beginning. The very, yeah. very, very beginning of he's like, oh, kick yeah. your ass and takes the watch, like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like at any moment he could turn to violence. And he does at the very end where he basically kills uh, Riz Ahmed's character by yeah. being like, no, he, he, you know, go get the shot, man. You know, and obviously Ugh. the guy still has the gun and he's going to shoot him. Like, it's... Poor Rizzo, man. He's had a tough life. Oh. He was trying to learn. He, he was, was trying, trying to, to make business, a, you know? Ugh, trying to make a better life for himself. I, I cannot. That was... That one wrecked me, honestly, watching yeah. it in the movies. And then he shoots it. And then he shoots uh, it. Uh, the one person with, like, a conscience, other than turdy, turdy little dude, dude. Dude guy, <laughs> who tries, who tries, God bless him, is the detective. The yeah. the, the woman who, like, oh, yeah. actually She's... gives the, the one kind of moralistic, you know, mm-hmm. moment of the movie where she, you know, says how disgusting he is, basically, for, like, doing this these things. And, like, but that's kind of it. That's kind of it. That's the only moralizing the movie does, you know, at all. And I think that's mostly to its service. And you could even make an argument that it didn't need that scene necessarily. That, like, you don't even necessarily need to say that this is wrong because I think we know it's wrong. Yeah. As the audience. (laughs) I think, well, two things. Yeah. Bear with me here for a second. (laughs) Please. The fact and something you mentioned that he's so pure sociopath. Uh, makes me wonder because I feel like sometimes we watch movies that are about a psychopath, like American Psycho. It's about other things, but mostly like this is a psychopath acting like a psychopath and this is what it is. Or we watch serial killer movies that are about serial killers. This to me feels less, and I didn't even research this movie. We've all established I have sort of a a, a research fetish and this one on purpose. (laughs) I didn't do it because I was so like curious to see uh, where the conversation would go. But like, to me, I, I wonder if this is, if, if Bloom is supposed to be less of a psychopathic character, like the movie is supposed to be less about a person sociopath and more about a mirror to all the worst things that, you know, just as some, something of a lightning rod that is just absorbing all of these horrible things that the environment is creating, right? Like if it's less about a person and less holding up a mirror to, okay, this is such a tacky expression, holding up a mirror to ourselves. No, I'm with you though. I think you're right. I think you're right. Absolutely. Right. It feels less, less about a human character than it does about everything else. Yeah. So I just kind of like, that's kind of how I left this movie. I bloom felt less real to me as a person. Um, which is interesting. It's an interesting feeling. And again, I think this is a testament to sort of Jake's, um, performance here because it does, I don't know, like the eyes, they are, it's very hard to like turn off your eyes. (laughs) I can't get over it. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe because I'm a transparent person. Everybody knows my emotions from like (laughs) looking at my face. I am a terrible liar, but it's kind of like, Jake, are you actually a sociopath? Because it was fairly easy for you to just act completely absent. (laughs) (laughs) It's the voice too. It's the eyes. It's the the voice. voice. Like that, that monotone. And yeah. that delivery and like, I, I think this is 
again, a triumph of a performance. Like, yeah. legitimately. I also really do want to give Rene Russo props as, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. kind of almost as bad of a person, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, to be, to be real, like... This is a person who will legitimately deny the actual truth of the news to further Mm. her shitty racist narrative because it'll get clicks, not clicks. You know what I mean? I say clicks because this is the business I'm in. But like, you know, the the views, the viewers, the ratings, whatever. Like the eyeballs, the eyeballs. She's fucking evil, too. And like cynical as it gets. And like, yeah, yeah, there's a gender dynamic here, of course, Mm -hmm. about power. And what power she has over him and what power he has over her. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has her kind of over a barrel because he's getting this material, this disgusting fucking winning material. And she's like, well, I got to keep doing that. I don't want to lose my contract. You mm-hmm. know, there's this whole idea of her as like a faded beauty, too. There's this whole yes. like, again, relatively subtle, but it's there. The way it she is. dresses, the way she's yeah. absolutely beautiful, the way she does her makeup, the way she does her hair. Yeah. She's an ex-anchor, right? She yeah. was the face. Now she has to be in the newsroom getting the dirty stuff done, yeah. right? Like, there and is Jake, this idea. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, please. No, no, because Bloom says it, right? Like, yeah. makes a point of saying, oh, you're beautiful. I think you're more beautiful than, uh, I don't know her name, but uh, who I was Young anchor. The, a young yeah. anchor, yeah. yeah. And, like, of course, the, the male anchor is, like, 62. And yeah, the young of course, anchor, right? the woman is, like, you know, 21 or whatever. And, like, yeah, that's also... That's also a factor of the news and what happens and like gender also coming into play here. Like no one's doing well in this universe other than the white male sociopath. Everybody (laughs) else is utterly fucked in this in this universe. And like that's the point. And I think these two actors like legitimately deserved every fucking award and we're never going to get one because of what the truth that is telling about something that hits a little too close. Yeah. I am I am I am I am I, I, it's my I am O too but I will <laughs> I will just list the um and and just a quick thing about the Rene Russo character again they do that right they put her in context and give us like something yes. to kind of like uh try to relate to her or justify her and then there's that disgusting scene and you're like feeling bad for her because she's in this terrible position like you said like oh she needs to keep her job and she's being coerced she's in this into terrible sex. situation and being coerced into sex which is a uh, yet another situation that i think a lot of women can absolutely relate to and then by the end she's like all horny for him because of that yeah the yep. footage and you can also justify that as like gender dynamics and sort of uh there's a whole other conversation we can have about abuse and and and, yeah. and the effects on somebody's brain but in that brief context it was so such a slimy scene and i don't know i felt angry i don't know if i like hated it so much because it's like ah this is so like ah this is painting this woman in a terrible light and i don't know if i like it i'm a feminist i hate it and then at the same time (laughs) she's also deeply cynical and racist exactly (laughs) so yeah like she's she's pretty evil too even though she's also a product of her environment and a fucked up awful you know system like again she's both a product uh you know a survivor of this and also perpetuating it in another way like her yeah. power such as it is is to perpetuate this racist narrative yeah ahead Absolutely. of the truth even even when given evidence that this isn't even the fucking truth of it yeah she will deny that 
and and keep going with the with the racist narrative like yeah full racism just, a, just doing a full racism there you know so, so. when i say this movie is pretty fucking hopeless <laughs> that's oh, yeah. what i mean there's oh, yeah. no like <laughs> there's no lesson yeah. In morality, exactly like you said, there is this one bit at the end uh, where he's being interrogated and the detective like kind of explicitly says, like, you're doing some shitty thing. And I I don't like that. I don't like necessarily the end of the movie. Uh, And I think we both sort of agreed with that on the notes, right? Like it's, it just feels very choppy to me because you had an atmosphere and a point of view and yeah, this is bleak and hopeless. And we kind of understand that it's not going to have a little bow on it. Like, right. Like I don't, I wasn't expecting this guy to go to jail and meet for like the media head people be like, Oh yeah, what we're doing is wrong. Let's fix society. and Everybody's happy. Like that's not what I was expecting. (laughs) Uh, And it could have ended. I think it would have benefited from a more sort of abstract or open-ended sort of um, finish. And instead they gave us like several little teases, like this going to end here. It's not going to, and then it ends on like what I feel like it was a too literal uh, success story, in my yeah. opinion. Right? Yeah, like it goes. Getting- it goes from being a really oppressive, and I think beautifully made thriller mm-hmm. to like this weird staccato ending. I completely agree with you. It honestly feels like that Lord of the Rings movie that has like four endings, and and then yeah. it like right, like it just it's just a dark comedy at the end. Like yeah. it's the fucking Office, but evil. Like that's basically what it is. I'm like, oh, yeah. you're you're gonna do great in a modern new business. Like just so dorky dark comedy kind of moment which like i don't hate the ending but it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it's kind of from the right movie in Mm -hmm. a way like this whole movie is truly oppressive and difficult and wants to contend with very difficult and oppressive things yeah the ending does feel rushed and weird but i also i I want to like both kind of complain about the ending a little bit because of that. And I also kind of want to say, I don't know how this movie could end. Like, I don't actually know. I I guess this is what I'm contending with right now, right? Like, I don't know how I would have written the ending differently, I suppose. Um, I would have just stopped it sooner. I'm not saying I'm an award-winning screenwriter, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe just stopping early. Yeah, No, I'm the same, but I would have just cut it before. Like, for instance, the cutting room scene, which... You know, the police is there, the thing airs and whatever. Even, even okay, you want to get him, like, you want to get the cop, like, chewing his ass. Okay, like, the, the cop goes, gives her speech, and then he looks so creepily yeah. at the, like, police station camera. Or yeah. Rene Russo and him watching the footage, and she looks at him like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. That would have been, of course, very open-ended, like I said. But I feel like it would make us, we would assume, we would infer from that as viewers, of course this guy went on to not be arrested and be successful. Yep. Like, right? Like, this is obvious. This is what this is alluding to. It all it leads us, I think it would have left us something to chew on or like yeah. to grapple with our own sort of cynicism and our own feelings on the situation instead of giving us this like very tightly wrapped uh, kind of situation that wasn't feel good or anything. It was just like, oh yeah, by the way, if you thought that they was gonna go on to be very successful and this is life, yes, you were, <laughs> you know? I don't know. That's like my. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it also would have been perfect for your mirror theme. 
You know what I mean? Him staring right back into the camera at mm-hmm. us kind of thing. That's pretty, that would have been a, a different kind of rapping, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one thing Paul, uh, our wonderful producer, said that uh, he has a theory that the lighting in the movie also helps with all of this, like, sort of yeah. atmospheric, unhuman thing, I think. That's what he means, that we've been discussing. And yeah. I absolutely agree. The lighting is one of the main strengths of the movie. And I think what really contributes to all of these things we've been talking about, like, from the sort of yeah. realism of the, the, the harsher scenes to the sort of, like, gritty unsettling feel so whoever is responsible for that good on you good job good cinematographers (laughs) lighting folks like absolutely beautiful work honestly beautiful work this movie is so so dark literally and figuratively and it's fucking beautiful yeah Good, good job what a, what, a what a snub. What a fucking snub. Just so we, before we move on, and we will move on to our final uh, segment really soon. Uh, but I wanted to just like tell you the list of the uh, actor nominees for that yeah. year. Yeah. Actor in a leading role. Uh, the winner was Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything, which is so obvious it hurts. Uh, sure. In fairness, sure. he sure. did a fine job. Um sure. Benedict Cumberbatch in The Imitation Game. Bradley okay. Cooper in American Sniper. Jesus yes. Christmas. Yeah. The oh. one with the freaking mechanic baby situation. Right, with the thing. weird doll that he cries on. Oh, yeah. God. And I, I'm a Bradley Cooper apologist as sure. well as a Tom Hardy apologist. Uh, sure. Still, sure. like, I cannot. No, this but is not, not a thing. Not, yeah. not a thing we should be doing. Uh, Michael Keaton for Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, which, again, makes sense. And uh, Steve Carell for Foxcatcher, which is right. a okay. very good movie. And I do actually kind of get that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's all... Let it be known, it's all white dudes. Uh, yeah, that's or whatever. the thing, though. Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. is also white dudes. Jake also. <laughs> <laughs> Jake also. Like, to be, yeah, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, yeah. Not a complaint we need to have here. But yeah, let's let's just uh, agree that... Let's just knock Bradley Cooper off of this running for the sake I, of our For show. sure. Like, <laughs> <And> point- <laughs> come on. Jake Gyllenhaal in there. I feel like this is... This is us correcting, writing a wrong in our little um, universe. Yeah. Uh, do we yeah, have really anything is. else to add to this conversation before moving on to our final segment? No, I, I think we can move on. I think we, oh God, I'm actually really curious where we're going to put it. I'm Me too. very curious. I'm so curious. So I'm, let's, let's go to our next section. We're going to our final section of the show. The one we like to call Shelf Life. all probably know this is all probably know i just assume you're all regular listeners but if you're new don't feel like don't feel like it's a bad thing okay it's never too late uh to join our beautiful uh universe uh but yes for those of you who don't know this final segment of the show called shelf life is where we decide where the movie belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store if it's a bona fide 
staff pick displayed proudly for all to see. If it is a middle aisle placement, which is also absolutely fair, nothing wrong with that, no shame in that, totally acceptable, or, and there is shame in that, if it <laughs> does deserve to be banished, banished to the dark, dark corners of our dumpster outback. <laughs> And I feel like last week when we did Fury Road, we had a very, very clear, like, idea of what was going to happen going into it. It was a yeah. very obvious staff pick from the very beginning. And now, now I don't know, Danielle. How are you feeling? Yeah. So this is, I, I, hmm. Hmm. I, I, I think the you quality got, of the, the movie... Wrong, you got the, the short end of the stick here having to no, start it's okay. this one. <laughs> I, I feel like this is an incredibly well-made movie. Like, I think this is genuinely a great movie that did legitimately deserve actual awards. And it's well-written. It's well, incredibly well-acted and has, like, a really very good script. The ending, obviously, I, I don't think it sticks the landing, as we discussed, but... For the most part, this is a fantastic movie, but I don't know that I would call it a favorite. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I love the point that it's making, and I loved this movie. I really, really enjoyed it. So for me, the difficulty here isn't in uh, the quality of the movie by any means, which it normally <laughs> it normally is. That's normally what yeah. we're talking about. To me, staff picks means like a favorite, and that's why yeah. Lionheart is there, and like the core, <laughs> the core is there, and things like that. Like they're a favorite that we love. Hustlers, hustlers yeah. is well, hustlers is also I think like very high quality. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Like sometimes the quality and the favorite come together, like with Fury Road, and sometimes it's kind of like I don't know. It, I like it. It made enough. us feel some type of way. That yeah. Movie. Yeah. I genuinely do like it enough for it to be a staff pick, but I mm. would not like be upset if it ends up in the middle aisle. Like, yeah. it's not necessarily a favorite, but I think it's fucking good as hell. And I do actually really like it because of what it made me feel and mm -hmm. the points that it was making and, like, the way it pulled, no punches, really. Yeah. It, it had a grim fucking point to make and it made it. I respect I, that. Uh, I'm with you. I feel like even going into this, I was like, rationally, I feel <laughs> like this is a staff pick. But sure. in like my heart of hearts, do I feel connected to it enough to put it up there? I don't know. So that's the thing. Yeah. Do we err in the side of generosity and put it up there with our staff picks? Or do we, we could place it high in the middle aisle. Sure, sure. Okay, so I'm going to go with my heart yeah. and just say... High placement, middle aisle. Sure, I'm okay with that. Are you? I'm very okay with that. We can um, we can do like a special thing with it where it's like we always have a camera in our store trained on it, like <laughs> <laughs> at all times. It's always being surveilled. Like <laughs> that's amazing. That's Live amazing. Feed. I agree with it. It's like a very and then when people are like, but if you're giving it this much attention, why isn't it in your staff picks? And you're like, you know what? It's a hard thing. I can't explain it. Listen yeah. to the episode and maybe you'll feel it. This is yeah. this is not a, a reasonable it's not time for a reasonable uh explanation. It yeah, comes it's from a different the heart. kind of love. Paul just said it's a different kind of love, and I completely kind of agree. Love. I think okay. this is a movie that most people should watch. I also yeah. like completely as always, 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 like if there are things about it that bother you and yeah. will make you feel a bad thing, like especially yeah. if like the racism will bother you, of course. 
like a hundred percent don't go near it like don't yeah. go near it if it's gonna like actually like uh you know create some sort of trauma for you but i think that for most people who could watch this movie i think it's a good it's a good one to watch and a good one to like take yeah. that point and see what it's saying yeah exactly i would recommend it for a lot of people but not for everyone i think yeah, that's absolutely the, that's the absolutely. uh main takeaway from it which again nothing wrong with that not everything has to be for everyone uh respect yourself and your own feelings and your own limitations absolutely we love your hearts too follow your heart ours you follow yours unless your heart is inside of jeremy renner in which case as danielle has uh, made clear in the last episode don't follow it and just don't be jeremy renner as a right? general, you could be anyone else, you know, you could be, be anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I feel like this is a good note uh, for us and <laughs> for us to end this one on. I guess yeah. thank you all uh, for listening to us. Thank you, my wonderful co host, for joining me. Thank you to our amazing producer, Paul. Welcome to the future, brah. Mayo for all the help in making this show not only not suck but also kind of rule we hope you do come back to our friendly neighborhood video store next week we would love 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 to hear from you so if you want to continue the conversation head on over to fanby.casa to join our discord channel where you can chat with us and fellow listeners and it's always a great time and also (laughs) there is where you will be able to find our pick for next week's movie we are closing out oscar snobs month and And for that, we actually ask for a little help. We ask for your suggestions on Twitter, on Discord, via email. And then we put it up to a poll on our Discord channel. And the winner is the one we're going to be discussing. So go over there and check it out. If you must, must know. If you simply cannot wait another week to find out. Uh, If you can, that's cool too. Just listen to us. That's good enough. (laughs) Uh, We also want to take the opportunity for a brief shout out because we got actually a pretty awesome email from one of our listeners. Their name is Hans. I'm so sorry, Hans. I will butcher your last name and I deeply apologize, but it's Hans Werfling. I actually got a really cool email uh, from them with a couple of suggestions that we actually are not going to use for this specific month just because we felt like they didn't really go with the necessarily the, the vibe and the general scope of what we're doing here, but that the uh, movies and the actors, like the explanation seems so interesting. Uh, first, Michael Moriarty as Jimmy Quinn in Q, a.k.a. Q, The Winged Serpent from 1982. And this is a quote. Okay, again, I uh, do not know how to say this word, which I should, because here in Mexico, a lot of words are like that, but Quetzalcoatl (laughs) set up a nest at the top of the Chrysler building. Quinn stumbles onto it and being a bit of a dirtbag, uses that info to try and move up the world when the flying lizard starts eating people. That's amazing. It's a fun movie with a great cast and some crazy behind the scenes stories. Uh, Siskel and Herbert and Ebert both praise Moriarty's performance, even though they were kind of iffy on the movie. Uh, And then... uh, 
Pig wants to clarify that they were both pretty rough on 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 horror and kind of movies in general. So yeah. that seems like a very very interesting suggestion that we are adding to our list. Hopefully that we can fit into another theme. And also uh, a second suggestion was Rutger Hauer in The Hitcher uh, from 1986. A kid driving along a desert highway picks up a hitchhiker who just so happens to be the scariest son of a bitch who has ever lived. The strange man then proceeds to torment the kid and everyone he comes in contact with for no apparent reason Howard is amazing in this rarely even raising his voice yet giving one of the most terrifying performances I've ever seen uh, they go on to talk about how the movie was actually trashed by by critics at the time but I I am in this description is absolutely perfect tons and we will absolutely find a way to include this on a future theme but for now that's what we've got for you again next monday we have our final movie of oscar snubs month if you like the work we do when you want to show some support for the show you can do so by rating and reviewing it on apple Podcasts. you can do it by rating us on spotify so we can hopefully get on more listeners raters because these vhs rewinders break all the time and they're not cheap so we do need to get the word out there a special thanks for uh the two new reviews we recently received on apple Podcasts. we truly profoundly deeply appreciate it you can check out our other podcasts over at fanby.com podcast you can follow us on twitter at fanbytemedia you can follow me on twitter at nanda prachis underscore that's n-a-n-d-a-p-r-a-t-e-s danielle where can they find you on twitter uh, you can find me on, sorry, I was like on, and then I was like, oh, you already said Twitter. At D-E-L-R-I. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find Paul at Paul Mayo. You can find us on Instagram at Fanbyte, TikTok at Fanbyte, and of course on Fanbyte.com. And you can also obviously watch our streams on twitch.tv slash Fanbyte. And that is all for this week. Again, thank you all so, so much for joining us. We will see you all again next week. And until then, you'll love to see it.